You have been made for a purpose and given specific gifts to accomplish your mission. This is Requip, and I am Scott Schneiderman. Stay tuned to gain insight to prepare, equip, and empower you to do the work of ministry. Glad you made it back to Requip Ministries. And man, we just continue to focus on being a supplement for the local church. We really believe that Jesus had a mission, and the local church is meant to carry out that mission. But for Requip, we just want to come alongside those in the local church, and we want to help. We want to help local churches with models, with tools, and teaching for discipleship to equip the church so it can be prepared for action. And we've continuing in this series called Twisted. We've been looking at various topics where people seem to get different things mixed up, you know, intentionally, unintentionally, we don't mean to, but, you know, th- this thing happens and, and there are different topics that are important. There are things to investigate. But what I've noticed over time, there's a series of things that have gotten people off track from the mission that Jesus has us here for. So we've talked through a few of those things, and I've reached out on social media, and a few of you have given me some ideas, and people have messaged me, and hey, keep them coming. Uh, you can always reach us on uh, reach me on social media, and uh, just find my personal account there, uh, or you know, email requipministries at gmail.com. But we want to talk about one in particular. One man, if one gets us off course, maybe more than than others. Um, it's hard to say. There's so many, but one of them that I've heard over the years, and it just always comes up, is the idea of is it predestination or is it free will? Typically, it's not the scriptures, but it's some sort of denominational leaning that I've noticed a lot of times of focus, and maybe this gets people off course and gets them uh, into some details about reformed or Calvinism or. Or, the, or maybe it's your leaning towards sort of Arminianism or the free will aspect of it. But usually it's, it's some sort of denominational leaning or some sort of influence or teaching that maybe you've grown up in or you've heard in that's been influential and been helpful in a lot of ways. But maybe that's what's kind of leading us. It's not necessarily the Bible. I remember one time years ago, I was leading a Bible study, a small group in my house, and we were just going over topics and just talking about different things. And I was explaining one aspect of God's word and what it was saying in this particular section. And someone in the group, yeah, they had a problem with it. And I explained my points and explained, you know, this is how I came to this conclusion. This is how I believe that God is saying this, and this is what he's saying, and this is what I've come to. But they couldn't accept it. And ultimately, it was because it was against some sort of doctrinal statement that this person's denomination of choice said one particular way, and you just couldn't get over it. You know, even though I clearly showed the points and and this person couldn't really say the reason why, but it was like, well, but this is what I believe. (laughs) You know, I hope that we don't find ourselves in that place and that maybe we can come to this predestination versus free will we can come to it maybe afresh, maybe just a new lens, just look at a new way. And the other thing I want to address is often there's like a straw man argument from either way. And a straw man argument is basically you present the opposing side's argument 
in really a false way, in a simple way, so that you can almost just knock it down. Usually it's not intentional, but usually it's our simplistic view of how another side or group views a particular topic. And because we haven't really investigated it, looked into it, we kind of create this straw man. And it's easy to knock over. And it's like, well, you got to be ridiculous to think this way. You know, but it's not that simple a lot of times. And, and before we do that, let's just look into it. You know, because often these arguments are mischaracterized in view of some sort of a theological view that we think that it it maybe is, and maybe it's from those previous denominational leanings or, or church you went to. Sometimes in response to predestination, someone might just say, God didn't create robots. God didn't do that. This is a straw man argument. Or maybe on the other side, in free will, you might hear, why would you limit God's sovereignty? God gave you the ability to choose. He, he can You can choose whatever you want complete free will. And that's sort of the other extreme where we have complete free will. And these are sort of um, counter buzzwords that kind of are meant to negatively slight the other side. It's not helpful. It's not accurate to the opposing side. So what I want to do, and this is not exhaustive because I can't go through the whole Bible, obviously. There's little nuances, little things. And hey, maybe if there's something I missed, and message me, find me on social media, message me or email me. And, you know, I'm going to look into that and let's dialogue back and forth. But I'd love to hear that. But I'm just going to give you a few of them. So I want to kind of just present the predestination side. And I'm not going to give some sort of doctrinal statement on what somebody else thinks. I just want to go to a few of the verses that are used. And, and let's just look at that. And we'll look at kind of the free will side as well. So first one, let's just jump right into it. Hey, and before that, I want to take a quick break. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, would you do me a favor and subscribe? Would you do that? Would you give me a review and uh, maybe even share this with somebody? And that's the way a lot of people have heard about this podcast. And again, man, we're just meant to be a supplement to the local church. So thank you for that. But let me dive right back into this on the predestination side. A couple of verses. First one, Acts chapter 13, verse 48. And it says, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored that the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. So it's saying there, you know, everyone that was appointed, they were the ones that were believed. People say, well, that, that's predestination. Like they're predetermined. And those that were going to be saved, it was just sort of revealed. And uh, they, they put their faith in Jesus because it was just revealed. They were appointed already. What about Man, this is a deep one, and we're going to do a little bit of reading here, but I think it's important because this is a big one. But Romans chapter 9, 11 through 21, it says, For though the twins who had not been born had done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose and according to his choice would stand, not because of works, but because of him who calls. And it was said to her, the older will serve the younger. And he's quoting Malachi there. Just as is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. And many scholars show that that means love less or in the often in God's word, he's using hyperbole, um, but he's, he's, it's that distinct is the key point, love versus hate. 
Anyway, back into it, verse 14. What then shall we say? So Paul is in dialoguing about what are these, some of these questions you might have, because this is a shocking statement, and he knows that. So then he says, what then shall we say? There is no injustice with God, is there? Far from it. For he says to Moses, now he's pointing out another example. So he was talking about Jacob and Esau before. Now he's fast forward to Moses and he says, I'm say to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I will show compassion on whom ever I show compassion. So then it does not depend on a person who wants it nor on who runs, but on God's mercy. Saying it doesn't depend on you doesn't depend on you. And then go to verse 17. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, it's just reinforcing the same point, talking about Moses bringing the Israelites out and and how uh, God did all these things to Pharaoh. And it says, for this very reason, I raised you up in order to demonstrate my power in you in that my name might be proclaimed throughout the earth. So then, and this is Paul concluding what that means, so then he has mercy on whom he desires, and he hardens whom he desires. And he comes in back with another, another argument, another question that you might have. And in verse 19, it says, you will say to them, why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? On the contrary, who are you You foolish person who answers back to God. The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this? Why did you will it? Or does the potter not have the right over the clay to make from the same lump one object for honorable use and another for common use? What if? He's contemplating. He doesn't even fully know what this means. It's a mystery. What if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath to make known his power endured with great patience objects of a wrath prepared for destruction. So there you see a lot of language that a lot of people will use and say, isn't that, that sounds like predestination. It sounds like God will just have mercy on some and, and not on others. He'll harden some and not others. He'll uh, raise one up for the very purpose to show that they were prepared for destruction. Like those are all the things that it says. We'll talk about that a little bit later and how all that works together. Ephesians 1, verse 4 and 5. And it says, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, so that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself, according to his good pleasure and will. And he's saying before he created anything, he chose us. Like we've been chosen in him. So who is that? Who's chosen? And then it says that that we would be blameless in him. And then it clearly just points us out. We've been adopted for adoption. We've been included into the family of God because he has predetermined that. We'll talk about that a little bit later as well. Second Thessalonians 2, chapter 2, verse 11 through 12, and it says, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that all might be damned. <laughs> that sounds 
pretty harsh. But the verse right before this actually clarifies this a little bit. In verse 10, it says, and with all the deception and wickedness for those who perish, because they did not accept the love of truth so as to be saved. You see that? See how the, you almost begin to see it start to work together where, where he's saying, yeah, yeah, they, they were sent a strong delusion that they'll believe a lie and then they might be damned. You might be saying, well, God's just sending people to hell. But it tells you why. Because they did not accept the love. Like they chose not to accept. Like it clearly says that in verse 10. So I want to give another wrinkle to this that helps us understand. It's almost the bridge, I think, between the many verses that you you see and hear in the Bible that talk about predestination and free will. Kind of in the middle of that, that kind of gives a bigger perspective is the idea of foreknowledge that God knew ahead of time. Romans chapter eight, verse 29 through 30, it says, for whom did he foreknow? He also predestined. Moreover, who he has predestined, then he has called. And who is called, he is also justified. And who he's justified, they will be glorified. And so you see kind of there was work together. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But now I want to go to Let's look at this idea of free will, just as the idea of being completely predestined is a stretch from God's sovereignty. Like that's a stretch. Completely, well, you can see there's a little choice in there. You can see there, there's some decision-making in there. But so is the idea of free will, like completely free will. We accept that there are definitely some limits to areas. And for example, at one point, it was my free will to work hard and because I wanted to play and it was my dream to, to be an NBA basketball player. Like if you just listen to this, maybe you don't know me personally, I'm a short, stocky, white guy with Jewish background. Like those people don't exist in the NBA. So yeah, I kind of had some limits to my will of being in the the NBA. And you could probably think of a few areas that maybe you wish or you had the will or desire to complete something, but you can't. Like So the idea of free will taken to a logical conclusion is like you becoming the God of the five-point Calvinist belief in. It's like you almost become that God that has total ability to choose. No, there's a lot of influences. There's a lot of other things. There's a lot of other factors involved with that. There's a lot of things that you did not choose. You don't choose if your heart beats. You don't choose exactly all the things that come into your mind. You don't choose how any of that works. You don't choose who your parents were, what they taught you, how they treated you, where you lived. You didn't choose who shared the gospel with you maybe at first. You didn't choose how you receive or connect information. Like you don't choose how your brain works. You don't even choose, you know, as you're a kid, you didn't choose, maybe if you grew up going to church even, you didn't choose what church you went to. You didn't choose if that church even correctly taught the gospel. Talk to so many people that got saved after being in the church for decades. So let me get into this idea of, 
free will. What does the Bible talk about? So 2 Peter verse 3, 9, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not willing that anyone would perish, but everyone come to repentance. Now, this verse is often shown God wants everyone to be saved. Well, I believe he does, but this verse is not even talking about salvation, but the context is to Christians to keep following the right way because Jesus' promises to return. That's the whole context if you read the verses ahead of it, that he's he's warning them there's, there's delusions coming in, there's people that are saying Jesus is not going to come back, but he's assuring you, no, Jesus is good on his word. He's going to come back. Just stay the course. Stay following him. Stay close to him. What about Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19? It says, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Again, this is some sort of freedom of will, but it has nothing to do with salvation. The context has nothing to do with salvation. And what about Joshua chapter 24, verse 15? And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods of your fathers have served the regions beyond the river and the gods of the Amorites to those who dwell in the land. But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There, there's a clear, like I'm making a choice. I'm making a decision of the will. I'm going to follow God. And you clearly see that. What about John chapter seven, verse 17? Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. So here it's talking about whatever is even in your mind, whoever has, has the, the desire to even seek the truth, then you'll know if I'm telling the truth. Isn't that amazing? Like, so things that are even happening in your brain that maybe you don't even fully get, that this is how you will come to know. What about Mark chapter 8, verse 34? Whoever wants to be my disciple, you have to have the desire. You first have to start out with the desire. Did you choose that? Did you not? I, I don't know. But whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So instead of looking at predestination versus free will, you know, as we've looked at kind of an aggregate, it's not all exhausted, but a good sampling, I think, of both sides, predestination versus free will, what if they work together? What if it was more like a mystery, more like we can't quite narrow this down. It's not so easily partitioned off into each category. What if it's more like that? What if there's more like a mystery of salvation? It reminds me of 1 Peter chapter 1, 10 through 12, and I'm going to read that, and it says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, they searched intently and with great care, trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the suffering of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. 
it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. When they spoke of these things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels look into these things. It is a mystery. Sometimes it's even hard to hammer down like, yeah, I believed at this time, but man, I don't know. God was working in me. And then, then like sometimes it's a clear defined moment. Sometimes it's almost more gray than that. It's like, I'm not exactly sure when, but at some point, but now I know God has saved me. I'm saved by grace through faith and I'm absolutely saved. Like some people have a defined moment. Some people don't. They can't clearly point that out. Some people have different experiences that almost lead them to God. Some people just hear the message and they believe. But it's a mystery. Like it's even saying like even the prophets didn't fully understand it. They, they were searching into this. Oh, even look, the angels long to look into these. Like it, it is fascinating from angels that have the vantage point of heaven that are in the physical kind of presence of God Almighty, the sovereign Lord who is robed in light, you know, just righteousness. They're in his presence. They didn't even fully get it. So how do you think we can fully say, no, it is definitely predestination. God clearly de determines beforehand who would be saved or not. Or he, he had the foreknowledge. He knew for sure. Yeah, well, I think he does know for sure. I think we could say that. But then to say um, it's completely free will. I don't, I mean, I don't know. Like there's, it almost feels like when you just go back and read the Bible, went through all those scriptures, doesn't it seem like there's still a little bit of both? Does it seem that clear? I don't think it does. I mean, and I have definitely swung on both ends of that spectrum, but it's really based on kind of what I'm reading. But now as I kind of aggregate more and more and kind of look at this, I'm like, I don't know. I mean, it just seems like a mystery and I'm okay with that. And that's kind of one of the things I want to talk about. I want to share a couple of things that God predetermined that he wants for us. Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19, he says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them heart of flesh. And I love also Ezekiel chapter 37, and it talks about where the prophet there, he's seen this valley of dry bones where there's just skeletons and skulls and femur bones and just all these bones just in a jumbled mess on this huge desert valley. But then he tells the prophet, go ahead and speak to those bones. Tell them to live. And he tells them to live and, and it begins to shake and rattle and these bones begin to come together and, and join and become uh, fully human, alive men and women. And, and that's what God has for us. That's what God's predestined for us that we get to know him. And then Jeremiah 31, 31 and verse 32, and it says, behold, the days are coming 
declares the Lord. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that was made to their fathers on the day when they took them by the hand and bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke. So he, he said, you know, I had a plan. This is what I predestined, this is what I predetermined. But then they had some choice too, and they broke it. They broke that covenant. And because of that, this is the covenant I will make with the people, he says. Of Israel, after that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. You see how it's all working together? How there's a little bit of mystery there too? But here's the linchpin found in Philippians chapter two, verse 12 through 13. And it says, continue to work at your own salvation with fear and trembling. And so you see there, there's some work, there's some things you got to do. There's some things that you got to keep at it. But then there's some mystery behind it. And it says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in according to fulfill his good purposes. You see how that just works together? He's like, work really hard. Work really hard to stay in me, to keep following me. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me. You got to work at it. But he says, but because it's God who works in you. In order for your will, that means your choices, your even desire to choose something, and to act so that you actually act on something. See how that just works together. And I want to close on this. In Numbers chapter 21, verse nine, it says, so Moses made a bronze snake and put it on the pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake, he looked at the bronze snake and lived. So those who looked at the one lifted up were saved. See, what happened in those days was there was poisonous snakes that were sent out by God because the people rebelled. The people just went away from God. And then God, out of his sovereignty and his mercy, he sent something that would hurt them in order that maybe they would realize they need God. And he said, anybody's willing. He said, I made a way, a predestined a way. But all you got to do is look at it. All you got to do is just trust in me. And then John chapter three, verse 14 and 18, Jesus quotes that very thing and says, this is me. This really applies to me. It's not just about snakes. It's not just about being bit by a snake on this earth. It's worse than that, but it's also better than that. And he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe is judged already 
because he has not believed in the name of the begotten son. So Jesus is, was on a rescue mission and you've been bitten and, and you've rebelled and you've turned away. And there's been some hard times and he's saying there's gonna be even more hard times. Anyone that rejects him will, will go to hell. That's what Jesus clearly states. Anyone who rejects, whether there's predestination, free will, I don't know. But here's what I do know. Jesus has been lifted up. Jesus died on the cross for your sins and he's been lifted up. All you gotta do is look at him. Where are you gonna look to for your salvation? The question isn't predestination versus free will. It's where do you look for salvation? And I hope you'd look for Jesus in that. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Requip Ministries. For more resources, check out our website at re-quip.org. Make sure you subscribe to get the next one. And as always, follow God's command to always be prepared for action.